After Jesus had said this, he was deeply troubled and declared openly, I'm telling you the truth. One of you is going to betray me. The disciples looked at one another, completely puzzled about whom he meant. One of the disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, was sitting next to Jesus. Simon Peter motioned to him. Ask him whom he is talking about. So that disciple moved closer to Jesus' side. Who is it, Lord? I will dip some bread in the sauce and give it to him. He is the man. So he took a piece of bread, dipped it, and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. Hurry. And do what you must. None of the others at the table understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas was in charge of the money bag, some of the disciples thought that Jesus had told him to go and buy what they needed for the festival, or to give something to the poor. Judas accepted the bread and went out at once. It was night. After Judas had left, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man's glory is revealed. Now God's glory is revealed through him. You will look for me, but I tell you now what I told the Jewish authorities. You cannot go where I am going. Where are you going, Lord? You cannot follow me now where I am going. But later you will follow me. Lord, why can't I follow you now? I am ready to die for you. Are you really ready to die for me? I'm telling you the truth. Before the rooster crows, you will say three times that you do not know me. How many of you guys want to have kids? Also, you guys who are not facing me need to turn around. There you go. And believe also. Um, So, how many of you guys want to have kids? Sick. How many of you guys want to name your kids Judas? Anybody? Yeah, maybe like one person. No, you wouldn't name your kid Judas. You wouldn't name your kid Jezebel. You wouldn't name your kid Lucifer. Would anyone here name their kid Lucifer? Or like just straight up Satan? (laughs) You have the kid and then eventually you call it Satan. But when you're naming it in the hospital, you're not like, oh, look, it's Satan. None of us would name our kid Judas. Whenever we think of Judas, like the name is synonymous with backstabber. That's what I think of. I think of Disney villains. I think of Jafar. I think of Ursula. I think of Scar. Simba, it's to die for. How was that? It's decent. Have you guys seen The Lion King? Okay. Well, I thought it was pretty good. I think Judas gets a bad rap, though. Judas gets a bad rap, honestly. In the Bible, he's known as a Bible villain. I don't hate him, personally. I feel sorry for him. I think Judas made a mistake that any one of us could make. And so this message today, it's a warning. Because I think in every one of us, there's a little bit of Judas and there's a little bit of Peter. And I think it's up to us to decide which one we're going to end up. So we're going to examine the story. My first point is that both were called. Judas and Peter both were called. Let's start with Peter. Jesus is starting his ministry. He's been alive for about 30 years. He's been a carpenter, building bookshelves. I don't know if he was really building bookshelves, but building things, being a carpenter, going around helping people with his skills, just living a normal life. And then all of a sudden his ministry begins and he goes around, he starts preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And he goes around and he looks for disciples. Jesus, where does he go? He starts hanging around the docks. He starts going down by the fishermen and spreading the word about the kingdom of God. Now, that's, that's a weird place to go, honestly. Like, if I was God, which I'm not, thank goodness, but if I was God and I wanted to save the world, I look at the world, it's broken, I am not going to go down to the docks. No offense to any of you guys who have relatives who are fishermen, but I would go to, like, the professional athletes and the amazing celebrities and and the pastors who are just super powerful preachers. I would go to those guys to get their help to save the world. Jesus goes down to the docks and he hangs out with the fishermen. That's a weird way to save the world. One of the first stories about Jesus and Peter is, this is how they meet. Peter's sitting in his boat and word is spread about this teacher, this rabbi named Jesus. 
Peter's sitting in his boat. He's a fisherman. It's his job. It's what he's done his entire life. And he's trying to catch fish one day, but he can't do it. Have you guys ever had a really bad day on when, when you're doing something that normally you're really good at? Like maybe you're really good at sports, you're really good at video games, you're really good at schoolwork, but you're having a terrible day. That's what Peter's having right now. Terrible day, can't catch any fish. He's got his net in the water and none of the fish are taking the bait. So Jesus shows up and he says, hey, Peter. Peter's like, who are you? Oh, it's that rabbi. It's Jesus. What's, what's his deal? What, he's, what is he all about? And Peter says, or Jesus says, Peter, I noticed you haven't caught any fish. What if you took the net and you put it on the other side of the boat? Now, you got to imagine, like, where Jesus is coming from because, he, you know, or where, where Peter's coming from. Peter is this amazing fisherman. Actually, I don't know if he was amazing, but it's his job. It's what he does. And he's having a bad day, and Jesus comes along. Now, is Jesus a fisherman? No, he's a carpenter. So this carpenter shows up and says, hey, what if you put your net on the other side of the boat? Have you ever had someone give you advice on something and you're like, hey, I think I know a little bit more about this than you? That's where Peter's at. He's like, Jesus, go build something. What are you, why are you trying to instruct me on how to fish? But you know what? That's not what Peter does. Peter goes, you know what? What have I got to lose? I mean, this guy's a carpenter. He's a kind of a rabbi. He just started teaching. Eh, I'll give it a shot. So he throws the net on the other side of the boat. And so many fish swim towards that net that the net starts to break. And it's this amazing moment where Peter's like, whoa, this guy, Jesus, he's got something special. He is worth following. Peter and his brother Andrew leave their nets to follow Jesus. Now, I love Peter because he reminds me of myself. He's a big, dumb guy, says a lot of stupid things. He's always sticking his foot in his mouth. If you, don't know, if you don't know what that means, it's like a common phrase, like insert foot into mouth when you say something stupid. Have you guys ever said something stupid in front of the entire class and everyone laughs at you? That was like the story of my life growing up. Like everyone was always just laughing, not because my jokes were funny, but just the things that were coming out of my mouth were so stupid. Um, and in fact, some of you guys to this day still make fun of me for saying stupid things. Sometimes when I'm on the stage, you laugh at me and it's great, it's awesome. I mispronounce words, I slur my words, all that kind of thing. Um, Peter reminds me of me. God allows him to be a leader even though he's totally unqualified and I think that's great. Now what's Judas all about? Let's talk about Judas. Peter's called, he's got that story with the nets and the boat. What about Judas? Judas is called by the Lord. Jesus goes out and he looks for more disciples. He finds Matthew the tax collector. He finds Simon the zealot. He finds Andrew and James and all these guys and starts bringing them in to the disciples group. Judas is listed as a disciple, but he's listed last. The guy who wrote the book, John, he's actually not a big fan of Judas. Anytime John talks about himself in the gospel, he's like, and then the disciple that Jesus really loved, the disciple that Jesus really, really, really was BFF friends with, but whenever he talks about Judas, he's always like, Judas the traitor, I hate that guy. So you can see John's bias when he writes the book. The disciples don't really speak highly of Judas, and good reason. He's the one who betrayed Jesus. He was a thief, he was a liar, and he was a traitor. But even so, he was chosen by Jesus to follow him. Even so, Judas was given a chance. Think of that privilege for both Judas and Peter, totally unqualified, sinners, mess-ups, and yet God calls them and gives them a chance. They got to spend three years with Jesus Christ. That is fantastic. I remember when I was growing up, um, I did discipleship, you know, and some of you guys have done discipleship. What does that mean, discipleship? It's just where someone who's older says, hey, I follow Jesus. Would you like to follow Jesus with me? So I had guys like Jason Yetz, um, Brian Barrett, Evan Wickham, guys like that would take me out, you know, to get a burrito, and occasionally we got into some little car accidents along the way, and it was great. It was all fun. It was all fantastic, um, but Judas and Peter, these guys were discipled by Jesus Christ. These guys got to spend three years of their life with Jesus Christ. That is incredible. Even though they spent all their time with Jesus for three years, because when you follow a rabbi, you're with him nonstop. Where he goes, you go. Where he sleeps, you sleep. What he does, you do. Even though these guys for three years were with Jesus pretty much nonstop, they still made terrible mistakes. That's actually point two, both failed. How do they fail? Peter, let's look at Peter. Peter rebukes Jesus. 
There's a story in the Bible where Jesus is telling his disciples about the kingdom, and then he's explaining, listen, for the kingdom to actually come to its fruition, I have to die. That's what he says, I will suffer and die. Peter speaks up in front of the crowd and says, "Uh, Jesus, you shouldn't be saying that. He kind of steps in front. Just imagine Jesus is up there talking, and he's saying, guys, listen, for this to really happen, I'm going to have to suffer and die. And Peter kind of gets in front and goes, oh, no, hey, uh, uh, guys, we're just going to take a five-minute break. And he's like, Jesus, what are you saying? Like, you can't die. You're, You're Jesus. Like, you're invincible. There's no way. And Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Ouch. Can you imagine? Can you imagine, like... If you're like doing something bad and you think, you know, no one's watching and all of a sudden Jesus appears in your house and is like, get behind me, Satan, you would be really bummed. You'd be like, oh, it's just my mom said not to eat a cookie and I went to eat the cookie and now you called me Satan. Wow, I am hurt. Peter, imagine this guy has been with Jesus for years and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. That, that's a hard thing to accept. Peter failed because he failed to accept who Jesus really was. Peter and Judas both and the rest of the disciples had in mind who they thought Jesus was. See, at the time the Romans had taken over Israel, they had done all of these things to the Israelites. Like um, they would force them to carry their bags for them, just heavy loads of armor and swords and shields. They'd have to walk for miles carrying it. Can you imagine if we, if our country got invaded and soldiers were asking you to carry their rifles and their gear? That's what Israel was going through. They were oppressed. They had a government that looked down on them, a government that was constantly persecuting them, locking them up, crucifying them on crosses. It was a bad time for Israel. So Peter and Judas, they wanted a military leader. They read in the Bible about the Messiah, about how he was gonna come and set the captives free. So what they thought, logically, was God is gonna send us a king He is going to grab a sword and he is going to go defeat the Romans. He's going to go stab Nero in the face. It's going to be awesome. They were looking for a military leader, but that's not what Jesus came to be. He came to be the Messiah who doesn't kill his enemies, but dies on the cross for them. And so Peter went through a struggle of accepting that. Now, Judas, on the other hand, Judas was a thief. And I believe Judas, as he's walking with Jesus as he's living with Jesus, he also has his own ideas about who Jesus is. But as time goes on, he he starts to realize, like, Jesus isn't who I thought he was. And so Judas starts to sin. He starts to steal from Jesus. See, they carried around money, the disciples did, where they could buy food. They had people who would donate to them along the way. There was a few women in Israel at the time who they were financing Jesus. They They were giving him money. They were giving him support. So Judas was in charge of the money, and yet he was taking money for himself. Judas failed because his love for money led to a secret sin. Secret sins are something I feel like most people struggle with it sometime. You go through an issue where you've got something going on in your life, fill in the blank, some sin, and no one else really knows about it. You know what though? Jesus knew. Jesus knew what Judas was doing. Jesus always knows what we're struggling with. And a lot of times when we're trying to hide our sin from everyone else, Jesus is saying, bring that out into the open so that I can deal with it. We need to beware of what sins, lusts, addictions, weaknesses, or habits that we hide and harbor in our hearts because sin leads to death. Numbers 32, 23 warns and assures us, be sure your sin will find you out. The reality is, guys, you can't hide your sin forever. Eventually, it comes out and it destroys us. It's better for us to bring it out into the open, to ask someone, hey, listen, I'm struggling with this. Can you pray for me? I wonder how many drug-addicted people who died from their addictions could have been helped early on when they were teenagers struggling with that secret sin of drugs, hiding it from their parents, if they would have come out and said to someone who loved them, will you help me? But they never got that help. I wonder how many people who were addicted to sexual sin and kept that hidden instead of coming out early with it and asking a parent or a friend or a counselor to help them, they hid it and then their life is destroyed. Fill in the blank. There's so many different stories that happen all over the time. Sin is like fire. It burns us. And Judas eventually was destroyed by his sin. Not only was he so greedy that he stole from Jesus, but he traded Jesus in for 30 pieces of silver. 
Peter sank. Peter sank. You guys know that story? The disciples are in the boat. All of a sudden, Jesus appears on the waves, and he's wearing the white robe, and he's floating off in the distance, walking on water, walking on water. Who does that? The king of the universe who controls science does. He can totally metaphysically bend the laws of space-time or whatever to walk on the water. It's fantastic. When I get to heaven, I'm going to be like, Jesus, can I walk on the water? It'd be so rad. It'd be so great. Please allow me. I tried walking on the water in my swimming pool, and I, I sank, and it was terrible. But it was a hot day, so it felt good. Anyway, Peter sank. Jude, or Jesus is on the water, walking on the water. Everyone else goes, he's a ghost. Peter goes, nope, it's Jesus, and I'm going to walk to him. Peter starts walking on the water, and at first he has so much faith. He sees Jesus, and he's like, man, this is fantastic. I have so much faith. But then he looks around the winds and the waves, and he sinks. He sinks. He failed because he lost faith in Jesus. And thank goodness Jesus was there to pull him back up when he sank. What about Judas? Judas failed because Judas rejected true worship. True worship. There's this story where Jesus is at a house party and all of a sudden this prostitute shows up. This this woman who's known around town for being sketchy. And she's crying and and she's weeping and she brings out this jar of oil and she pours it all over Jesus' feet. Can you imagine, can you imagine being in church in the sanctuary and my dad's teaching and all of a sudden this woman walks on stage and she's crying and she's weeping and she's got this jar of like extra virgin olive oil and she's pouring it all over his feet and then she starts like washing his feet with her hair. Would you be weirded out? Yes, I know you guys are tired this morning, but I would, be, I would be weirded out. I'd be like, what is going on? Like, uh, I am Snapchatting this. This is crazy weird. It'd be so weird. It'd be so weird. At house party, everyone's just having a good time hanging out, and all of a sudden this lady comes in, and she's crying and washing feet with oil and, like, wiping her hair on the feet. Super weird. But you know what? God looked at that as true worship because... God sees the heart, and he sees this woman. And we, on, as humans, we look on the outside, and we go, oh, that's weird, that's awkward, that's strange. God says that's someone with a broken heart. That's someone who realizes they've sinned. That's someone asking for forgiveness. And so Jesus is stoked. He's like, this is worship. This is fantastic. This woman has such a great heart. But Judas says, ugh, this is disgusting. Like, get her out of here. What? Do you know how much that oil was worth? We could have sold that. We could have made so much money and given it to the poor. Really, Judas is thinking, oh man, my cut, I can take percentages out of that. How much is that? Ooh, that means how much for me. Judas rejected worship in exchange for his own greed and hypocrisy. Judas failed because he thought wealth was better than worshiping Jesus. There's many reasons he could have wanted the money, but the point is he failed. For Peter, we see even more failures. The disciples, right before Jesus' death, they go to the Garden of the Gethsemane, and Jesus says, hey, will you guys pray with me? Has anyone ever asked you, like, hey, will you pray for me? Will you pray with me right now? Have you guys ever, like, okay, you know camp? You know the last night of camp where everyone's so tired? Can you imagine if I was, like, last night of camp, it's, like, 2 in the morning, and I'm like, hey, guys, there's some crazy stuff going on, so we're going to walk out in the woods where it's super dark, and we're just going to pray. You would totally fall asleep. That's what happens to Peter, all the disciples, they go out and Peter's like, I'll never forsake you, Lord. I'll always be there for you. I'll always support you. Remember, I was the one who walked on water. Yeah, but you sank. Yeah, but I I walked on it. At least I'm Peter. I'm amazing. Peter goes out. He's supposed to be the leader of the other disciples, and he totally starts snoozing. He falls asleep while praying. Both of these guys failed. But even though they failed, we need to remember, especially relating it to ourselves, the third point is both of them were loved by Jesus. Both of these men were loved by Jesus. Think of it. Both of these men were offered friendship. Can you imagine the friendship of Jesus? I don't know about you, but that is, I mean, I know we have the Holy Spirit. And I've taught on this before, and I've told you guys, because we have the Holy Spirit, we have more access to God than the people in the Old Testament. Imagine that. The people who used to have to, like, the way they were talking to God was they had to walk into a temple and do animal sacrifices or look at a giant cloud off in the distance or a giant pillar of fire. And if they sinned and came into the presence of God, they were struck dead. We have the Holy Spirit of God living in our heart. 
No longer do we have to go to God to be with him. He comes to us to be with us. Fantastic. We have so much access. But even so, even so, I know I have the Holy Spirit in my heart. Even so, to be with Jesus in the flesh, to have him as a man hanging out with me, going to get burritos at Oscars with me, going in to the school that I'm supposed to speak at, and instead I'm like, hey, Jesus, you should probably speak, and I'll just watch. This will be fantastic. I would love to be with Jesus in person. Peter and Judas were given friendship. Friendship. It wasn't like Jesus chose Judas and was just like, all right, I hate you because I know what you're going to do to me in the future. No, Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him in the future, and yet he still offered him friendship. Jesus knew Peter was going to fail him and say stupid things and fall asleep in the garden, and yet he still picked Peter. He still picked Judas. He offered them friendship. I don't know about you, but if you could see in the future, if you're scanning your schoolyard and you're looking for someone to be friends with, and you saw a girl or you saw a guy, and you could somehow see into the future, and it's like, that person's going to let me down all the time. I'm gonna ask that person if they can help me with homework and they're gonna stand me up and I'm gonna fail. I'm gonna ask that person if they can help get me a date, be my wingman, help ask that girl out to the dance and they're totally gonna ask her and steal that girl away from me. Some of you guys have been there, I know. Okay, listen, you if you could look into the future and see someone be a horrible, gossipy, backstabbing, forsaking friend, you would not be like, sweet, I'm picking them. You would not do that. That's what Jesus does. He sees failures, and he offers them friendship. They sat underneath the teaching of Jesus. Man, seriously, if Jesus was walking around in person, I would never teach again. I'd be like, you, and only you, and always you, and I will sit right there, and I will take notes. And yet, they sat underneath the teaching of Jesus, and they still failed. How much... How much of an encouragement is that to us, knowing that we fail? These guys who hung around with Jesus for three years fail. They were given power by Jesus, power to heal the sick and raise the dead. Like in the Bible stories where the disciples are going around healing people and raising the dead, it doesn't say, and then Judas sat in the corner and watched the other disciples do it. No, Judas was given power to do miracles and amazing things. God entrusted a guy he knew would be a future mess up with power. Jesus was patient with Peter. So patient with Peter. I mean, if the, if the end of the story was Jesus was just, get behind me, Satan, I think Peter probably would have left. No, Jesus is gentle with Peter. He loves Peter. He helps Peter. I don't know about you guys, but the people in my life the older people that I respect who are willing to call me out on my junk, the stuff that I did wrong, those are the people that I respect the most. The people who always just told me what I wanted to hear, I mean, they're a dime a dozen. But the people who love you enough to tell you, hey, listen, I love you and you're wrong. What you're doing is wrong and it's sin and you need to change, bro. The people who did that for me are people that I look up to more than anyone else. Jesus was patient with Peter. I mean, there's so many times Jesus should have kicked Peter out of the disciples. And yet Jesus actually is the whole time he's training Peter to be the leader. Arguably the biggest failure in the disciples besides Judas. And Jesus has his eye and he sees the potential in him. You guys need to know, so many of you guys here today, you're bringing in the junk from the last week, the stuff you've done, the mess ups you've made. Jesus doesn't see you for your failures. He sees you for who you are now and who you can be tomorrow through his help. He sees the good in you. He sees the bad too, but he's not focusing on it. He's like a doctor looking at the cancer inside of us and he's like, I'm going to work on that. But he doesn't define you by your failures. Can you imagine? If he defined Judas and Peter by their failures, he would be like, oh, hey, it's stupid and traitor. Welcome, good to see you guys, glad you can make it. He would call them that, he would identify them. Have you ever been identified by your failures? Your screws, people look at you and they identify you by where you go wrong. That's not the identity that Jesus gives you. He's patient with Peter. He doesn't kick out Judas because of his crimes. He prays for them. He chooses to carry the burden for them. He loves them. I think one of the best examples of this is we see the story of 
Jesus washing the disciples' feet? Can you imagine? Like, just think about it for a minute. Can you imagine, like, walking out in cow pastures? You guys ever been in a cow pasture? It's one of the worst places ever. Like, I don't like cows. I watched this video the other day of Jimmy Fallon milking a cow, and I was like, that is the worst thing. Like, I don't... I don't want to ever be a part of that. That looks terrible. Has anyone here ever milked a cow? Was it terrible? You're just like, yeah, Allison's so rad. Allison is way tougher than me, and she could probably beat me up in a fight. Anyway, anyway, can you imagine walking out in a cow pasture with all the nastiness that's on the ground, getting that stuck between your toes, underneath your toenails? You're with a group of people, and then you stop to wash all of that nastiness off of their stinky feet? Would you do that for someone you knew who was about to betray you in like a few hours? I wouldn't. Like, I almost imagine like Jesus the whole time washing Judas's feet and just looking at him like, you got anything to say? Anything you want to say to me, Judas? Yeah? Just going to get in between the toes there, Judas. Yeah? You like that? Yeah? Anything you want to say, buddy? Like, that's, that's what we think sometimes. But that's not what Jesus does. Jesus loves Judas the whole time he's washing the feet. He's doing it with love. He's looking at Judas with eyes of love. He's looking at Peter, this failure, with eyes of love. He washes their feet. The final point, or the semi-final point, I think there's one more, is both betrayed Jesus. Judas sells out Jesus. He's not who he thinks Jesus is. He wants Jesus to be something else. He wants him to be this leader, this revolutionary. Jesus says, I'm going to die. Judas has had enough. He's like, this guy is not who I thought he was. I'm going to go to the cops. I'm going to go to the authorities. I'm going to sell him out. How much? 30 pieces of silver. Done. Deal. Sells out Jesus. Betrays him. He sinned. He messed up in a big way. Betraying Jesus, that's a big way. I've said it before, but every time we sin, we betray Jesus. But to literally sell him out to the cops and deliver him over for a violent, bloody death on the cross, that is pretty intense. And you know, this could happen to any one of us. There's been so many people who've come through this youth group that I know who walked with Jesus and followed Jesus and loved Jesus, but in the end, they sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. For a bowl of stew like Esau, they traded in their inheritance. I've seen so many young people have so much potential, but then some girl or some guy came along, and it was just like, you know what? Forget all that stuff about Jesus. I want this right now. Drugs came along, and they traded in the potential they had for a life of addiction and sin and bondage. I've seen this happen so many times. People who were in this group, and now they're in their 20s, and they want nothing to do with Jesus anymore. This could happen to any one of us. In John 18, it talks about in verse 1, how Jesus went down to the brook Kidron. He was in the garden. He was with his disciples. And then verse 2, Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, came there with the lanterns, the torches, and their weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said, Whom are you seeking? Now, in the Synoptic Gospels, which is just the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's like we see the story from different angles, so we learn different things. So it's not mentioned in John, but in the other Gospels, we learn that Jesus is greeted by Judas with a kiss. Judas comes over and gives him this kiss. It's like a handshake, like a firm handshake in those times, like a, a sign of respect. Can you imagine being betrayed by a handshake? Can you imagine being betrayed by a kiss by someone that you love? What does Jesus say? Does Jesus say, you backstabber, you horrible Judas, Peter grabbed that sword. No, you know what Jesus says to Judas? He says, do what you came for, friend. He calls him friend. He still loves Judas. Again, Jesus asked them, 
Who is it you are looking for? Jesus of Nazareth. I have already told you that I am he. If then you are looking for me. Let these others go. He said this so that what he had said might come true. Father, I have not lost even one of those you gave me. Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's slave, cutting off his right ear. The name of the slave was Malchus. Put your sword back in its place. Do you think that I will not drink the cup of suffering which my father has given me? What does Peter do? Peter cuts off the ear of Malchus, the servant. Peter has the right heart, but he acts outside of God's will. He wants to defend Jesus. He wants to stick up for Jesus. But in doing so, he goes against one of Jesus' kingdom teaching principles. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Peter says, that sounds great, but right now I want to stab. And in his sin, he betrays Jesus. Jesus heals the ear. Even during his own persecution, Jesus cares for others. Such a minor, like some guy gets his ear cut off. And Jesus is literally being led to death. And yet Jesus cares enough to say, that's not right. I'm healing your ear, buddy. It's fantastic. You know, sometimes we need Jesus to heal people that we've wounded. Some of us have betrayed people like Judas, and it's been a slow burn. Over years, we've been plotting and planning with our words, little sarcastic, passive-aggressive remarks, little underhanded phrases, things that we've done to hurt people. Maybe, maybe you have people in your family, relatives, friends, and, and there's just certain people you can't stand, and, and we've hurt them. We need healing from that. Sometimes we're like Peter. It, it's not like a slow, long thing. It's just like, that person made me mad. I'm going to lash out. I'm going to cut off your ear. Not literally, but we hurt people. We're constantly messing up and sinning. We need Jesus to heal the people we've hurt. Sin leads to Judas betraying his master, his savior, and his friend. Peter betrays Jesus in a big way. The events leading up to Peter's betrayal. What does Peter say? You guys remember, we just watched it in John chapter 13. Jesus is saying, I'm going to have to go away. I'm going to have to die. And Peter's like, where are you going, Lord? Where are you going? I want to come too. Where are you going? And Jesus is like, you can't go where I'm going. And uh, Peter's like, I will never leave you. Like, you go, I will go. I am here with you. And Jesus says, stop right there. Here's what you need to know. By the time you hear the rooster crow three times, you will have denied me. Three times. Peter's like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And yet we see it. Look at verse 15. We see Peter as someone with the spirit being willing, but his flesh is weak. Just like us, I want to follow Jesus. I want to not sin. I want to not mess up. I want to not make mistakes. I'm sure you guys are right there. And yet I blow it all the time. Peter's just like us. Look at verse 15 in John chapter 18. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. It was John. John's just writing about himself. It's funny that he wasn't like, and so did the BFF of Jesus. He just mentions another disciple. So now that disciple was known to the high priests and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, you're not also one of the man's disciples, are you? And Peter says, no, I'm not. I don't know Jesus. What are you talking about? Strike one. Verse 18, now the servants and the officers who had made a fire of coal stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves, and Peter stood and warmed himself by the fire. What's going on right now is inside the walls, Jesus is being put on trial, being slapped in the face, being persecuted, being accused of things he hasn't, he hasn't done, and Peter is waiting outside the walls, and he's questioned. Look at verse 25. Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. That other disciple was well known to the high priest, so he went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest's house, while Peter stayed outside by the gate. 
Then the other disciple went back out, spoke to the girl at the gate, and brought Peter inside. Aren't you also one of the disciples of that man? No, I'm not. It was cold, so the servants and guards had built a charcoal fire and were standing around it, warming themselves. So Peter went over and stood with them, warming himself. The high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered, I have always spoken publicly to everyone. All my teaching was done in the synagogues and in the temple where all the people come together. I have never said anything in secret. Why then do you question me? Question the people who heard me, ask them what I told them. They know what I said. said anything wrong. Tell everyone here what it was. But if I am right in what I have said, why do you hit me? Then Annas sent him, still tied up, to Caiaphas, the high priest. Peter was still standing there, keeping himself warm. So the others said to him, aren't you also one of the disciples of that man? No. I am not. But Peter denied it. One of the high priest's slaves, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, spoke up. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? No. And at once, a rooster crowed. this moment, Jesus has been betrayed by his best friend. I don't know if you've ever been betrayed by someone who you felt was your best friend, but man, it hurts. In the moment where Jesus needed Peter the most to be brave, to be strong for the other disciples, to have faith, to trust, Peter gives up. He gives in to temptation. He gives in to fear. I can't imagine what Peter must have felt when he heard that rooster. I can't imagine. The Gospel of Mark says that he wept bitterly. There's actually another account in the Gospels where Jesus is being led out of the courtyard right after that rooster crows, and, and Judas, or not Judas, sorry, Peter and Jesus, they look at each other, and they see one another, and Peter just loses it. He starts crying. He starts weeping because he's like, I let down my friend. I let down the one I love. I let down the one I care for. I don't know about you guys, if you've ever been in that situation where you just felt like you let down the Lord so bad where you blew it so bad, where you made such an utter failure. This is where Peter finds himself. We think, how can this be? Peter is the rock. That's what he was called. Jesus named him Cephas, which translates to Peter, which means the rock. He called him Rocky, the strong one, the one called to follow Jesus. And yet, Jesus knew that Peter was gonna do this, and yet he never stopped loving Peter. Jesus knew Judas was going to do this, and yet he never stopped loving Judas. Jesus knows that you're going to fail him. He can see into your future. He knows about your worst day in the past, and he knows about your worst day in the future. And I pray for you guys and for myself that the day of our worst sin is in the past, that there's not some day in the future where we're going to blow it even bigger than we've done in the past. But even if there is, like, let's say one of you guys, I mean, I hate to say it, but let's just say one day through some circumstance, you end up murdering somebody. I hope that's nobody here. But if that was the case, God would look into the future. He would see that sin, that huge mistake, and he would not stop loving you now because of it. He loves you so much. He knows you will fail him and yet he paid for that failure on the cross when he died. So what are we gonna do with that knowledge? Well, let's see what Peter and Judas did as we wrap up. The last point is that one chose life and the other chose death. One repented and one perished in their sin. 
Peter, what happens? He denies Jesus, he betrays Jesus, and he mourns. His heart breaks. What did Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? Blessed are those who mourn. That means when you have regret for your sin, when your sin brings you to tears, when your heart is broken for your sin, that's where Peter is. His heart is broken, and he runs away, and he cries. Peter repents. He repents. He doesn't continue to betray Jesus. He could have easily. He could have said, I've blown it. I've made too many mistakes. I can't follow Jesus anymore. I'm just going to live for myself. I'm getting back on my fishing boat, and I'm just going to live for money, and I'm just going to stay away from the other disciples because they probably hate me for denying Jesus, and I'm just going to go off and be a loner by myself. That's what the enemy wants us to do. When we make a mistake, he says, don't go back to church. Don't go to your Christian friends. Don't tell your parents what's going on. You just, you're too deep in your sin. You're too deep in this dark place. Just stay, you, you can't get out. There's no hope. Don't let anyone else in. Just live for the sin. And yet Peter does not do that. See, Peter started out by denying Jesus, but in that moment, he makes the decision, from now on, I'm gonna not deny Jesus, but I'm gonna deny myself. And Peter lives for Jesus. He repents and he goes on to be the leader of the church. And it shows that Peter fully accepted the message of Jesus. See, Peter got it. Even though he had a bad moment where he made a mistake, he remembers Jesus is the one who forgives sins. Jesus is the one who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus is the one who has the power to forgive. And so even though I've blown it, I will continue to follow him. Peter got it. You know, Jesus visited Peter after he came back from the dead. After the resurrection, Peter's out on his boat fishing with the disciples, and Jesus shows up. And it's so cool. I'm actually, we're going to teach on this in a few weeks, so I'm not going to get too much into it. But it's just one of my favorite stories. Um, it's like flashback to scene one. It's like the, 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 the structure of the book of John is so fantastic in the way that it sets it up. But it goes back to the start. Peter is once again on the boat, not catching anything, and Jesus shows up on the shore, and he's so far away they can't tell who he is. He's just a little guy on the shore, and he yells out, hey, you guys, what if you put your net on the other side of the boat? And it's like, you get it? It's like totally flashback to like scene one when they meet. It's so cool. So Peter's like, oh, all right, mysterious stranger. Puts the net on the other side of the boat. All these fish come, and Peter immediately is like, oh, dang, it's Jesus. Jumps out of the boat, swims to him. Jesus is waiting on the shore, and he's cooked up a massive breakfast feast for the disciples. It's so cool. And he sits around the fire with his disciples. And these are the guys who betrayed them or betrayed him. These are the guys who ran away when he was under attack. These are the guys who fled. And Jesus is like, let's have breakfast. But we betrayed you, Lord. Yeah, let's have breakfast. I made some fish breakfast burritos. Anyone like fish breakfast burritos? Yeah, yeah. So good, so rad. It's such a great story. He says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Just sitting around the fire, do you love me? Peter says, yes, you know I do. Then feed my sheep, pastor my church, love people. Judah, or Peter is such a great story of redemption. It's, it's amazing. This man who failed so badly betrayed Jesus in Jesus' darkest moment, and yet Jesus says, I love you. Let's put all of that behind us. Forgiveness has come to you. Now let's go forward. That's what Jesus wants to offer you. But let's look at Judas. What happened to Judas? Judas was devastated by his sin, just like we are when we don't expect the effects. I don't know about you, but when I sin, a lot of the times I'm not thinking about the effects that it has on me in the future and people that I love in the future. That's what sin does. It causes us to just be focused on the moment and not the long term. Judas did not choose forgiveness and repentance. He chose suicide. He said, I can't do this. I've betrayed Jesus. He knew what he did was wrong. He realized it. And just like Peter had that moment where he betrayed Jesus and he could have gone down a dark path, but he decided to turn to Jesus instead of run from him. Judas ran to a tree and hung himself. It's one of the darkest stories in the Bible. Judas felt like what he did was beyond God's forgiveness and yet on the cross, what Jesus says to Judas and every other sinner in this room and in this world is, I forgive you. I forgive you. You don't have to take your life because I gave my life for you. 
Judas did not accept the message of Jesus. He did not accept the message of forgiveness. He did not believe that he could have forgiveness. The only sin that God cannot forgive is just the ultimate rejection of Jesus. It's you choosing to die without accepting him. That's the one sin he can't forgive. Anything else, he's like, my blood covers it. It's like, I've got it covered. You're covered by my blood, by my love, by my righteousness. But Judas gives up. Do you really think that Jesus wouldn't have forgiven Judas if Judas came to Jesus after and said, Lord, I've blown it, I've made a mistake, I sinned, I messed up, please forgive me. Do you think Jesus would be like, betrayer, seize him? No, no, no. Jesus would have forgiven Judas. The other disciples, they would have forgiven Jesus because that's, or they would have forgiven Judas because that is what Jesus taught them, to forgive, to forgive an infinite amount of times. Forgiveness is the backbone of the gospel. God uses evil for good. I think personally, Judas could have been one of the greatest stories in the Bible about forgiveness and redemption. I think if Judas would have gone back to the disciples and Jesus, they would have welcomed him in. They would have, Jesus would have embraced Judas. There would have been a lot of tears, a lot of crying, a lot of hugging. And it, just, it would, like, Judas would come, this broken man, before Jesus, I blew it, I messed up. And Jesus would have put the pieces of Judas's life back together. Jesus would have fixed what was broken in him. He could have been the ultimate example of forgiveness and redemption, but instead Judas chose to believe the lies of Satan. And it was said of him in the Bible that it would have been better if he was never born. His life was so sad, it was so dark, it would have, just been, it would have been a mercy to him if he would have never existed. You know, Judas kissed the door to heaven, but he still went to hell. And a lot of people can do that. A lot of people can have an experience where they look at Jesus and they say, oh, I'm really excited about this Jesus guy, but they never actually put their faith in him. Or maybe they do, but then they choose to give up and walk away. They choose to leave, they choose to stop believing. The main point today is redemption. To redeem something means to purchase it by a price. To rescue something. Jesus rescues us from the punishment of sin that we deserve. It's a story of deliverance from sin and into God's arms. Listen, don't be a prisoner of your past here today. If you've screwed up, don't be a prisoner of your past. Learn from your mistakes. Learn from the wrong things that you've done. Realize there's nothing you can do to separate yourself from his love. Learn from Peter. When you sink, let Jesus pick you back up. Learn from Judas. Not allowing Jesus to deal with your sin will destroy you, and it will deafen your ears to the Holy Spirit. No failure is beyond redemption. Jesus has a plan for you, so keep moving forward. That's what I've always said over the years. If you fall down, the enemy says, stay down. You're a screw up, you're horrible, you're a sinner. Don't get back up, this path is too hard for you. Instead, just lay down, just lay down. Just don't even try, just give up. But Jesus always says when you fall down, he doesn't look at you and say, how dare you? Do you even know what I've done for you on the cross? How dare you? No, what Jesus says is, hey, get back up. Keep walking. I'm with you. I know you're down, but don't listen to the lies of the enemy. You take my hand. I am stronger. I have the strength. I have the power. I will lift you up. I will grab you, put my arm around you, and we will keep walking towards the finish line. That's my message for you guys today. Don't give up. Keep walking forward with Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you, God, for the story of Judas and Peter, even though it's so tragic. Lord, I don't want to be like Judas. I want to be like Peter. 
There's going to be times, Lord, where I'm going to have so much faith in you, but then I'll doubt and I'll sink. But I know you'll always be there to pick me back up. God, there's going to be times where I say stupid things and do stupid things, and I just want to put that foot in my mouth, Lord, and I just, I, 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 I just want to fall on my face and just bury my head from the shame of the things that I've done. But God, you call me to walk forward. God, help us to never be like Judas, to never give up, to never give in, but to always remember that your forgiveness is stronger than any sin, that you broke the chains of sin. We don't have to be slaves of sin. We don't have to be because you've broken the chains. If there's anyone here today with just all the eyes closed, I just feel led to ask if there's anyone here who um, you just feel like you're in a place where maybe you've made some mistakes and you've messed up in some areas or you're struggling and, and, and you know that there's that temptation to be like Judas, but you know God is calling you to be like Peter, to walk forward, to not look towards the past. If you're here today and you're struggling in any way, just with doubt or insecurity or sin or whatever, and you just like some prayer, just raise your hand really quick and I'll, I'll pray for you guys. Anybody? Yeah, awesome. Anyone else? Anybody? Cool. Lord, I pray for these here who've raised their hands. God, thank you for their humility, their willingness to admit that they've got issues. God, you're the God who died for people with issues. You're the God who loves to help the hurting, who loves to set the captives free. God, I pray for the people here that right now I know the enemy is, even right now, tempting them and saying, stay down too messed up. You've screwed up too much. Just stay down. God, you're calling them up and onward. You're calling them forward for the kingdom, for the gospel, for forgiveness, so that one day they can help others through what they're going through now. God, help them to leave their sin behind. Help them to leave their doubts behind. Help them to leave their chains behind and move forward towards you. And not only towards you, but with you. So fantastic. You're not only the finish line, you're our racing partner. Thank you, God, for that. We love you. In your name, amen. Amen. Happy Sunday.